0: actually getting ready to um, join a seminar, and I'm going to
1: try to make sure that we can get it captured and everything, so bear with me while I add this number to the fold here. No, that's the phone. That's not the phone, number. Four one five six five uh
0: down on bundles, and then meeting
1: objections. I hope I answered the question. Is there another one, sir? Yes, sir, there certainly is. Uh, This comes from Kirk, and Kirk says, our challenge here is getting clients to open their eyes, ears, minds, and wallets. Do you have suggestions on how to do that?
0: Fear of loss, fear of loss, fear of loss, fear of loss. It's always been that way. I mean, this workshop is no different it's no different than the one I did before COVID-19, except I've added a lot of studies about Don economies. I wrote the book in 2009 because that was supposedly the worst economy we've ever had since the Great Depression. Now, I don't even know if we're in a depression. And I don't know when the back end of this is. But I'll tell you one thing, fear of loss is the key. You need to constantly be able to, tr- out of your mouth, go in believing in your heart of hearts that this business needs to market or they could be in trouble. And I know they all say, well, we're, we're shifting to word of mouth. That's that just, just, just plow through that. And this is the other thing. If I, Gary, that's why I loved your opening. I'm not, I know we've been stroking each other a lot and thank you, but I love what you said about attitude. You're not that good of an actor. If you don't believe they'll never believe. It permeates through you. You've, got to hit the street with belief that you have a strong audience. If nobody listened to your radio station or watched your programming, how come every time you screw something up in a message, the advertiser goes nuts? How come come whenever your news department interviews a competitor, they scream at you? Am I right? I mean, come on. You know you have a strong audience. You what's that old thing that Ron taught me? If if I don't have any audience, tell you what I'll do. If I can't, if we don't work, Mr. Advertiser, I'll put a free commercial on for you that says, everybody that stops by your business gets a free $100 bill. You honor that. I can't do that, I'll go broke. Okay, now we understand that I have audience that I can motivate. (laughs) Meet me halfway. Gary, is that just too basic or is that in line with where we're at here? I don't want to step on your toes, sir. You're the master sales trainer.
1: Yeah, Mike, this is, this is very good. This is very good. Um, next question comes from Bob. Aren't we overexposed to borrowed trust sites and phony testimonials? Lots of fatigue and unbe- unbelievability. What would be better?
0: I, we are overexposed. We're overexposed to everything. I am convinced, just like we looked back on the eras before us and how stupid some things were, that my child would look back on this error as the stupidest error for social media. I don't think my child will be living on Facebook like the adults are now. That was, a, that was an innovative thing on college campuses. We're in an overexposed world now. It is, it's, it's making us tribal. I'm going off into a 50,000-foot ethereal world here. We, but it is. But it is what it is, sir. So you've got to accept the fact that we are now in a society where testimonials are everything. I'm having trouble finding a national ad that doesn't have a testimonial. Because everybody knows it's the number one hot button right now. Um, so I wouldn't be worried about it. I'd be more creative with it and find ways to get it out there more effectively. Yes, sir. Any more?
1: Next question Is TOMA really all that important during COVID 19?
0: Yes. It's t- important. OK. We're in a Google world. You do not want everybody living in that world. Google is a is a mess when it comes to marketing. I promise you, if someone's winning Google, someone will win over them. And I'm not against search marketing. I can do it. I mean, I'm I'm Google's AdWords certified. I had to go through it so I could train other people. But it's not that... Toma solved that problem. Yes, Toma has never... Why does Pepsi and Coke put free signs up for everybody? I mean, that's what soft drinks do. Beers are putting their logos on, on cars and shirts and every. TOMA is part, it's not everything, but it's part of the critical equation in a fickle society. So, no, I, I believe everything I said to you today. I think TOMA is critical. I I mean, Ellen,
1: asks, Ellen asks if there's a way to get a copy of your slides.
0: Yes. I, I, I share everything, um, by all means. What I'll do is I'll, I'll bring them down and take out, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll condense it, put it three to a page, and make, and make it a PDF that's at least, you know, like 20, 20 megs, and I'll give it to Gary for distribution with my book. Does that sound fair? And there is a recording of this, right? So you can watch it again. So that's that would be great. But thank you. I'm honored. That's wonderful.
1: That is perfect. Uh, Mike, we'll put that on the same link that, uh, that, that we put your book on as well and get that out to everybody. Great. Um, next question from, from Ted. Uh, Mike, you mentioned that only one in four customers have brand loyalty today, but you also say it's more important than ever to brand. Can you explain?
0: Yeah, because there's a lack of brand loyalty. You've got to then define why you're ch- faster, cheaper, or better. Let me change that. There's just, okay, maybe I, sh- I should say it this way. There's a lack of customer loyalty. But the way the study was written is brand loyalty. And I think the, u- the word was slightly misused. Um, when I say branding, I bring in right after that without breathing Toma and USP. Because once you help a business define why they're different than the other guy, then it's not a question of them being as fickle. Now I understand why I should continue to shop with you. I should ignore that sale dealer offer, that loss leader. That's the trick. It's a little bit of both and it's a mix. So I'm not speaking of one side of of my mouth and then the other. Yes. With a fickle society, you just don't throw their logo up. I, I hated the old Toma campaigns. Toma, I'm allowed to say now for about six years you weren't because the gentleman who invented it, it was a newspaper guy who passed away a few years ago. Has, he did not keep the, his wife didn't keep the copyright, but it was a simple campaign where you, you created fear of loss. You, you did a study first in the market, then came in and hosted workshops saying, you're not the number one pharmacy. You're not the number one this. You've got to do ads, but the ads sucked. They were pictures of, of people's faces and phone numbers. There was no unique selling proposition. COMA today has to be much more sophisticated. It's not just remembering a logo. It's a sophisticated slogan or a value proposition. I, I, I skipped a number of slides when I defined this to the advertiser, where i use another acronym. i say the number one radio station in the world is WIIFM. You likely know where I'm going with this. What's in it for me? And what that means is you take the feature, like right, the number one laundry detergent is FAB, feature to advantage to benefit the benefit to the customer. Don't say I've been in business since 1998. Who cares? I'll be there to service you when the other guy's out of business. Then I'll pay a little bit more
1: for my flooring if you follow my logic. Yes, sir. Mike from Stephanie. I work for a small jazz radio station. We don't have Nielsen. Do you have suggestions for getting prospects and selling? Well,
0: I think uh, the, the, the questions are, A, you don't have Nielsen okay, I don't live on ratings anyway. I, I'm, I, I think going down ratings are a slippery slope. I never was that... I was an ARB guy, and I used to do you know aid reports on the old computers when I was managing my radio stations. But I think when you show ratings, it's, it's, it's all about you and not the customer. But then you said, how do you... Did you say how to generate a lead? Um, because I would be talking more about my exclusivity of audience. Okay, when I, I managed a kind of quasi jazz station. This is when I worked for Fuller Jeffrey in Portland, Maine. There was the big rocker WBLM and they had me launch back in the dark ages when Sheryl Crow's first song came out, I was doing alternative. Remember that Triple A? So it was a weird format that no one had heard of and we had no ratings. So what I did is I did an exclusivity sell. And we made we did well. I only ran like six spots or eight spots an hour. And I focused on the music and the quality of the audience. Because this, these people are professionals. They're educated. See, if jazz is great. I could play up that. All programming is niche, is it not? In broadcast. I mean, you don't buy a station, you buy a program. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. In certain ways, you can buy ROS. But I could be playing up that audience of exclusivity and then really selling that over the cluttered other media. Sorry if I just insulted your competitors, but there you go. Wait, I feel like I'm doing rapid fire here. <laughs>
1: Speed dating now. Go ahead. <laughs> Lots more, Mike. Lots more. Next question. Uh, managers are happy about getting new customers since COVID hit us. And I'm assuming this is talking about retail managers. Um, but it's hard to get owners to see the need to take more business from Walmart. Do you have any suggestions on what I should say to get people to? to
0: yeah. Um, by the way, you don't sell price point against Walmart. You can't bribe against Walmart. Um, when we work with a local hardware store, like True Values are really good targets because those are locally owned. They're actually franchises. You can't sell advertising to a Walmart. That's national, right? You don't walk into a mall. Well, I don't know if think it's in a mall right now, but the national chains, the decision maker only has, what, a little tiny budget if he wants to do some recruiting for a salesperson. When you get to the local owner, you do knowledge. I remember the best way to be closed I was actually on this four-legged sales call, the, 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 the true value guy he had three stores, in a, and I think it was, um, I can't remember the city now, it was somewhere in Tennessee. We rotated pictures of their, of their, of their associates wearing that little headset, I mean, their names and their expertise. And we rotated those on websites, and then we put ads in with their faces and stuff, and it worked, reminding people, okay, you can go to the big box store, you might get a cheaper price, but God forbid someone's gonna help you there. Come in here, we're, going to, we're here to help you. And so you find the niche, am I right? That's what the needs analysis is all about. They're in business for a reason. You have to help them through it. Sometimes you gotta hold their hand and pull them out of the dark. I mean, I remember once walking into a pizza place. This is when I was selling AM radio, way back in the 80s. And I walked into a restaurant that was opening. My boss used to always say, drive down a new street. You know, always find the business, go smell it. So I walked in while they were building it. And it was a husband and wife. I said, so why are you in business? And they said, well, my uncle died, left us some money. We always wanted to own a pizza place. And I did, you know, I got, was trained well. I said, well, why is your pizza different? And they couldn't answer the question. <laughs> it's not price. It wasn't flavor. It was a million pizza places. So what I actually became, I, I got into a consultive mode. And I thank God I was a DJ creating commercials and writing copy. I think a good media salesperson has to understand that they're an ad agent and I hope I'm not going too deep into the weeds with you, Gary, but you, once you start, to, that's why I spec everybody. I love spec selling. I mean, spec selling is, um, I used to go into the, okay, I hope I'm not boring everybody. but I go into the studio at night with a six pack of beer, remember I was the old program director and I tell the guy in the FM, put on Stairway to Heaven. That's a long record. Get in here and read these lines and I'd craft the cassette tape and bring it into the advertiser and shut up and get him discussing the creative. We all know a spec sale. The moment that they, heard the ad, they try to correct it. Why would you why would you correct anything you haven't taken emotional ownership with? Actually I had a technique where I'd argue with them. Isn't it we do it in print all the time. I hate the blue. That's a buying signal, right? I mean that's when you stop feature benefits and you're done. And I'd say isn't that funny? I like the blue. No, I hate it. Okay, we'll make it green, you win. <laughs> I mean, that's why creative is so cool. Don't sell the media. That's a commodity. I'm discussing direct sales now. When you're when you're talking with agency Nothing I just did has anything to do with agencies. I mean, an agency is not selling, it's negotiating. And I know there might be some agency people that are going to hear this, but that's not bad, and negotiation is part of the process. They've already determined the media, am I right? You're simply negotiating your piece of the action and your rate. But when you're dealing with a decision maker in the sales process, you're creating a concept, and that's creative. The media is
1: simply the vehicle that distributes it. Hope that's a good way to answer Excellent. Next question, Mike, from Chuck. How do you get businesses to buy advertising when some are struggling with just paying their staff and they say there isn't any more money available?
0: Well, I've been hearing that for a long time. Sometimes it's true. I mean, there's moments where you have to walk away and you have to smell it before you go in, whether they can afford you or not. The best way in media to overspend is to underspend me say that again, The best, if you take a very small budget and you know in your heart of hearts the ad's not going to work, then shame on you. But now you're a charlatan. You're simply closing a deal to make your boss happy and fill your column, but you're not going to keep that advertising. So I'm always a big believer, if I don't believe it's going to work, don't sell it. But you also have to watch out for just an objection. An objection is like smoke. You've got to plow through, right? Well, our budget's gone. But if that business truly can't afford you, then you might be calling on the wrong business. And I hope your boss doesn't mind me saying that. If you have an ad director right now or a station manager or something, how dare you go in? I I will take issue with that. Some cannot afford a media campaign. We've walked out of more sales that way. I mean, I remember going into a, a rep had the unmitigated goal to take me into a woman who was starting a hair salon in her basement, only going to work three days a week. And they wanted me to sell a $4,000, you know, six month package. I didn't. And the rep was mad at me. I talked to her about guerrilla marketing and putting up, Business cards
1: in the grocery store. That's that's just who I am. Yes, sir. Okay. From Denise, is it okay if I share your book with a client?
0: Oh, sure. That's okay. I never made money on this puppy. I wrote it in 2009 to get a message out, but I also wrote it then because I was starting to get some speaking gigs. And the truth is, when you're an author, you get the the front stage. I, I was tired of the breakout rooms. Gary, you know where I'm going with this, right? You've been on many stages, I'm sure, as well. And I wanted the keynotes (laughs) because that's when I could influence more people. So I I wrote the book, but my wife and I, my wife's my business partner. We're okay. Um,
1: Sure, go ahead. Okay, from Brian. What percent of time each week should be given to new business calls? Oh, I write about that in the book.
0: As much as it takes. Um, You've got to invest a certain amount of time into prospecting. That's, that's why I like this workshop, because I find that prospecting can be the most painful part of the sales process. I want to bring the mountains to Mohammed. I'm doing that with ENP right now. If you sign up for my newsletter, you should do that. Uh, editorandpublisher.com. Click on the subscribe, because tomorrow morning, you're going to get one of my emails promoting a new service that I'm doing for my um, – no, that's actually promoting the workshops. The email for the new service will be going out next week, which is a, a guerrilla marketing – I actually call it aggressive marketing through COVID-19 where I'm blending native and lead generation. But if you're prospecting, what I used to do was lock myself in a room and not leave that room until I had a certain number of qualified appointments set up. And people, no salesperson, I write about this in the book, no salesperson goes to bed at night and says, gee, I was lazy today. I avoided the rejection of the prospecting process. I I sat at my desk and put out fires to avoid conflict. What they say is the boss sucks, the rates are too high, the market's soft, um, I get no support. I mean, that's just called mental mechanisms. I do it too. What you got to do is force yourself. So if you're not keeping track of your success, you can't manage yourself. How many first calls does it take to to get a good needs analysis? How many of those needs analysis does it take to do a good pitch? How many pitches does it take to do a close? How many closes does it take to hit your goal? And I assume you have other buckets to hit. If you're like most media companies, some of those buckets are of non-traditional revenue, some of your legacy product or what have you. You do the metrics on that, then you should know how many new appointments you must set up in order to at least hit your goals. And if you want to raise, you have to increase the machine or get better at the close. All sales is, is is getting all your cylinders to fire, right? All right, I got to work more on my prospecting. Okay, I'm, I'm doing a bad needs analysis. I'm not listening. How many times have I told a rep, shut up and listen? The less you say, the less they know what you don't know. I mean, listen. And if you listen more, you've got a better shot of hearing that pain that you can solve. I, this is all 101, Gary. I hope I'm answering it properly.
1: Mike next question comes from Stephanie. And Stephanie asks, "How do you deal with the "We don't do radio" argument?"
0: I can understand why you feel that way. Many people I talk to have said to me that they don't understand the media and it hasn't worked for them in the past. But we're here to discuss a brand new relationship. You see, you agree with that objection and move on. Odds are, it's just smoke. If it comes back again, now if he says, the, the home office says I can't do it, now you hit a condition. You learn to smell this over time, the difference between an objection and a condition. When that other question was, what if they can't afford my media? You've got to immediately know, is that just an objection I should plow through? First of all, when you get an objection that you don't think is real, it's just them trying to slow you down, I always say agree with it. Negative energy should never be met with negative energy. That's why I keep my marriage saying I agree with my wife. I don't argue. <laughs> don't tell her I said that. Don't tweet it. But you just, yeah, I can understand why you feel that way, but we're not here to discuss radio right now. We're here to discuss you. It may not come up again. If it comes up again, where we can't buy radio, then you're in the wrong business. What are you gonna do? Well, then quit your job and buy it. You gotta feel it out. But there are, most cases, it's an objection. They're trying to get you to take a swing in the dirt. If you then start bringing out all this marketing material from RAB, I assume they're still in RAB. I was involved with them when I was president of the main broadcasters. And you take out all this material and start showing them how radio works, you're just taking a swing at a pitch in the dirt. No one cares about that. What they care about is themselves. A very small part of the sales process, in my opinion, is pitching the product. That's just the vehicle for the message you're selling. And too many reps get, because we, we're so busy training people on products. Okay, now I'm really pontificating. In the digital world, I think it's spend too much time training the reps sometimes in every nuance of a digital service, where the advertiser doesn't care. I mean, I didn't have to train reps how the press works to sell print. I don't have to train you how the transmitter works to sell a broadcast ad. Why the heck? Am I putting you through five hours of understanding how Google operates with, um, you know, uh, I forgot what it's called, you know, when they do um, page rank? I don't know. Mr. Advertiser, I've got a geek and a nerd back at the office can explain that. We're here to talk about your needs. I've got expertise back at the office. I want to be your expert on marketing. That's just how I've approached it over the years. You may have different training and different ways to do it, but I develop a better relationship with businesses when I discuss them I'm not going to get caught in the weeds.
1: Mike, this comes from Sarah. And Sarah says, I have a client who says they're going 100% digital, and this is very common now. I'm yeah. in traditional media. What would be your take on that? Well, that's a hard one.
0: You've got to then do the exact opposite in a way of what I just discussed, that is a moment of truth where you have to look at them and say, may I still put together a program for you? Give me what you're trying to do. And when I come back, will you let me have five minutes to prove to you with some very good sourced information on why my media can be just effective as them? And I'll take a no and a yes, and a no is okay. Will you give me a shot? then plow through that and at least get through the needs analysis. Then I hope to God your creative can can sing you through. Um, We we hear that all the time now where the the business owner's son or daughter has decided to move everything to social media because they love it. They've been trained on it. They're just so into it. They want to buy their own AdWords on Google, which can really be so detrimental. You can blow so much money in search when you don't know what you're doing. I always say fail fast, fail cheap there. So I would plow through that if your nose tells you it's worth plowing through. But if it's a condition, see, remember time is money and you don't wanna to waste too much time. I see some reps just beating the, the dead horse, excuse the expression. Maybe it is time to just move on to the next prospect. But if in your heart of hearts, you believe that's just an objection and plow through it, put it aside. I always say, I'll give you one objection. <laughs> I always do that. You get one. Okay. and I don't say that to them, you know, my mind, okay, let's, let's assume, okay, let's assume you would never buy legacy media. Can we just put that aside now? And I'll address that later. Is there anything else I need to know before you tell me more about your business? Odds are they may soften up, continue their dialogue with you, get the information you need. Now, if you still don't hear anything you can help with, maybe you have to move on. I mean, there's, there's lots of business out there. Odds are you're only touching about 8%, 10% of all the businesses in your market you really got to keep plugging.
1: Yes, sir. Mike, just a couple more questions. So, folks, uh, if you have a question you want to ask Mike, get it in now. He's working Uh, hard today. Go ahead. Make you you earn it today, Mike. Uh, Here's a question from Dylan. As somebody who entered this business right as COVID-19 began to affect America, what would you suggest to get clients to respond without meeting me personally? I'm having a hard time getting emails and callbacks.
0: Dylan, welcome to the industry. I promise you that you'll look back on these days and thank God, because you, this is going to toughen you up and make you great. And Everything that happens to you, Dylan, is the best thing that happened to you. You just don't know it while it's going on. I'm just talking. I'm assuming Dylan is younger because I'm an old guy now. I've sold so much media in so many different ways over the years, and I went through a lot of down economies. Um, be innovative, Dylan. I want you to be fun. I want you to stick out of the crowd I did some really crazy things to prospect. I was AM radio and FM. I, I left my morning show with a 50 share in Lewis and Auburn, Maine. One out of two people was listening to me because this was before the Today Show had any audience back in the dark age, full service radio. If any of you old guys remember that, weather guy, sports guy, This we only played three minute records, right? Because we had so many commercials and so much news and stuff, we could get maybe five records an hour in and I had a 50 share. I woke up to town on my morning show. And everybody told me it was dead because it was AM. It wasn't. Um, I got it innovative. I got fun. I did crazy things to get in the door. I would, um, I could tell you stories, Dylan. I'd, maybe it's not appropriate for you. I remember going to downtown Portland where they had this business that cut up pictures into jigsaw puzzles. I had like 10 pictures of my logo. I'd mailed one a day to this huge prospect with no note. Then I walked in with the last piece. You know what I mean? I, I was always doing weird things to stick out. Um, find innovative ways to don't, don't do it boring. Like, hi, my name is Dylan. I'm calling from WCCY. Um, I would love to sit down with you and learn your goals, needs, and desires. In hopes to... I always said that the first thing you do is have a wow statement. Some call it the elevator pitch where you're excited about something, excitement transfers even in a voicemail message. Hi, my name is Dylan. I'm from WCYY. You likely don't know a lot about us, but I have a brand new exciting whatever that I just know might be a good match for a business like yours. Then what I do, and this is in my book, um, I always ask for permission to pursue where the answer is no. I'm assuming they want to say, so after hearing this, do you mind if I can't ask you three or four quick questions so I get the no out of the way? And then I learn who the decision-maker is and beg for that that solid appointment. I would practice voicemails with excitement and testimonials. We just had a victory here. We just had a victory there. They tend to work. And I would make my emails fun. Short subject lines, um, very, very um, fun and innovative. Um, If you have any really cool commercials you've produced, if you're selling local advertising, put a link to them. All my emails have video embedded when I'm doing prospecting now. One more, okay, and we're done?
1: A couple more here, Mike. One Uh, more. Okay, two more. Go ahead. Lisa would like to know, what are some techniques you use to show empathy? Oh, that's easy.
0: Actually, I have an entire chapter. I call it rapport building. There's two aspects to a good sales rep, empathy and ego drive. Too much ego drive, and you're the guy at a party with bad breath talking into my face, and I'm – you're not seeing my cues too much empathy and you're believing every objection. You need an equal amount of that. Um, I know I come across too salesy. So I always did a Columbo play. I'm I'm acting old, aren't I, Gary? Columbo was a TV show. (laughs) Basically it was about a very it wasn't a whodunit. It was, you already knew who the murderer was, some big star. And Peter Falk, was acting like a bedraggled, you know, rumpled cop who was really smart, but he always acted a little self-effacing. So I'll go into a meeting to build rapport sometimes, playing down, asking permission to use their first name, asking permission to take notes. Maintain total eye contact, total. Don't ever look at your watch. Um, nod your head a lot, echo. That's I put it in the book. When someone says a sentence, Echo the last three words. Yeah, we sell stereos and home improvement systems. Home improvement systems? And people just naturally fill the void. Do you follow what I'm saying? I love echoing. It for, Also works in your marriage, again. Okay. If you want to look like you're in, oh, God, I'm going to get in such trouble, you're all going to tweet my wife. Go ahead, one more. Just one more, Gary. Go ahead. I've got to run.
1: All right, this is from Patty, Mike. Uh, I'd love to make cold calls. I don't like to be a telemarketer. During this time, what would you recommend to reach new prospects?
0: Oh, Patty, I'm with you. I've always, whenever I'm doing sales training in regular days, I always say, what's better, telephone or face-to-face? I was a phoner. I didn't like face-to-face rejection. I, my car had a mind of its own. I, I, I couldn't turn into certain parking lots because it kept going straight, if you know what I mean. Um, but I was good on the phone. I was very entertaining. Everybody wanted to meet me. Um, if you're a face-to-face person, um, this is going to be a hard time. I need you to do what's called tele-mirroring, I write a chapter about that, or I put it into the chapter, I believe in prospecting, We gotta close your eyes while you're on the phone. I suggest wearing a headset and be in a room where no one's making fun of you. Stand up and animate while you're talking to the prospect. You can translate a smile over a phone. It's a fact, there are books on this now. So what I want you to do is really try tele I want you to close your eyes and envision, and then listen to the cadence of their voice, because if they're a slow talker, be a slow talker. If they're a fast talker or, or staccato, be staccato. And you know how, what mirroring is all about? If I cross my arms when you cross your arms and if I open up, you, I'm sure it's called mirroring, read books on it. Um, I'm a good friend of a guy that wrote a lot of books in body language. His name is Joe Navarro. Um, we're, we're Twitter pals. He's he's incredible. And I've read all his books. But what you can do, though, is you can actually move that, that prospect on the phone. If they're a slow talker, slow talk and then – Go rapid on your power words. Does that make sense? I know you're most probably great face-to-face, so you're going to have to adapt your style to, 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 into telesales. Strong telesales people get this. Um, I, now, I do it a different way. I, what you're watching now with this video, I do this all the time. If I'm closing a deal, I put my face in the screen. I can translate energy. You'll notice I'm doing that right now. This is a green wall behind me. That's just Tampa Bay. I've got a number of backgrounds I can use. The ones when I'm pitching have my logos behind me. That's it. I got to run because I have a one guys. Eastern time, Gary, I love you. This was great. Thank you so much.
1: Mike, thank you very much. We'll get the rest of the questions sent to you. And uh, if you could uh, maybe respond to those in email, when you get a, when you get a minute, that would be great. Um, yes, sir. Don't, don't want to let you go without telling you that Denise thinks you should have a late night talk show.
0: Let me make sure you see on the bottom of your screen. Um, Mike at blindergroup.com, B-L-I-N-D-E-R-G-R-O-U-P, or I'll make it even easier, MikeBlinder at Gmail. Um, follow me on Twitter, MikeBlinder, and there's my mobile number. Some of you are already texting me. I have my phone here. Some of you are saying, great job, Mike. I really appreciate that. 917-865. There's another one, 4827. Um, I'm, feel free to
1: reach out. I love talking to sellers. It's a passion. All right, everybody, have a great day. Thanks. Thank you, Mike. Thanks to everybody for being here. Hey, keep an eye open for the second Tuesday webinar for May. Uh, That'll be on May 12th. Uh, Paul Whalen will be with us and you'll hear about that uh, the same way you heard about this webinar. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. Again, thanks for being here and we will see you on May 12th.